The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone, and yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. The last 48 hours have been perhaps the most tumultuous in American politics uh, in my memory. Two extraordinary events. First and foremost, uh, the release by the special counsel, Robert Burr, who was appointed by uh, American Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland, uh, to investigate President Joe Biden's retention of classified and top secret documents during the time that he was a vice president and a U.S. senator, as well as president of the United States. In a stinging report, Mr. Herr, who once again was appointed uh, by Attorney General Merrick Garland, Joe Biden's attorney general, concluded that Biden had definitely illegally retained uh, such documents, that they were found uh, throughout his home, as well as, as previously reported in two places in his garage, that uh, the home was searched without Biden's consent. So the argument that unlike Donald Trump, he was cooperating with the investigation turns out to be untrue. Uh, but more troubling, a conclusion by the special counsel uh, that President Biden uh, could not be charged uh, because uh, he is essentially in cognitive decline. They don't use those words, but they say his memory is bad. They cite as examples the fact that he didn't know when he was vice president. Uh, he didn't remember when his son, Bo Biden, who was the attorney general of Delaware, passed away. Uh, he referred to Kamala Harris uh, as president, when of course she is not president. So basically they said he can't be prosecuted because of his decline. It's not certain that a jury would find him guilty. Seems like a two-tier justice system to me. Then Joe Biden, uh, who was extremely angry about this, held a, a press conference. We're going to show you some of that. But first, joining me to help break this down is Troy Smith, who is the editor-at-large over at Rare.us. Troy, welcome back to the Stone Zone. Roger, it's an honor to be here. And uh, on, on the, uh, after the release of this amazing report, uh, I think the most shocking part of this whole thing, Roger, is that we have the uh, Justice Department talking about the cognitive decline of the person who's supposed to be the president of the United States. And it kind of shows an undermining heading into this 2024 election. I'm really excited to get more into that today because I think we have the perfect guest to set up what is going to happen here because the bat, the cat is out of the bag now. And, and for everybody watching at home, I think they were just as shocked as we were to see Biden stumble up to the podium at 7.45 p.m. last night and, and give the remarks that he did to snap at Peter Ducey like he did for asking him a legitimate question that was spelled out in the special counsel's report. Um, just 
unbelievable stuff. And as you said, it's so interesting because you've seen so much politically to say that the last 48 hours have been, you know, some of the craziest times you've ever seen. It just lays out the, the place that we are in as a country right now, really unbelievable stuff just happening around the clock. What's extraordinary here uh, is twofold. One, the White House Counsel's Office put out a statement attacking Biden's Justice Department uh, uh, for their report. And then more recently, Vice President Kamala Harris says the report is inaccurate and politically motivated. Why would the Biden Justice Department have political motivation to attack uh, the president they serve. It makes no sense. I suspect uh, the real problem with the report is that it is deadly accurate, that Joe Biden is a man in decline. Uh, let's take a look at a couple of these bites, uh, and then we're going to bring in documentary filmmaker Joel Gilbert, who has predicted now for well over two years that Biden would be replaced uh, by Michelle Obama, former First Lady of the United States. I would say, based on the events of the last 24 hours, uh, that that is looking more and more likely. Joel Gilbert will join us shortly. Uh, let's uh, roll this first clip from the Biden press conference last night. When I said, when I we pushed all these programs, I said, I'm going to be a president of everybody, whether you live in a red state or a green state. A green state? I mean, what is this guy talking about? Uh, interestingly enough, last night, uh, I think he hurt himself more than he helped himself. First of all, he said that he was outraged that they had asked him about the death of his son. He said he wore a rosary uh, every day, uh, but then he couldn't remember where he got the rosary. He said, we got it from Our Lady of, and then he just stopped because he couldn't remember where he got it. He also identified in a claim that he's doing the job, uh, he identified the president of Egypt, uh, whose name is Sisi, as the president of Mexico. I don't think he helped himself last night. If anything, I think he kind of proved that he doesn't know where he is or what he's doing. Let's roll the next clip. Mr. President, for months when you were asked about your age, you would respond with the words, watch me. Many American people have been watching and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your judgment. Public that is not the judgment concerns. of the press. They express concerns about your mental acuity. They say that you are too old. Mr. President, in December, you told me that you believe there are many other Democrats who could defeat Donald Trump. So why does it have to be you now? What, what is your answer to that question? Because I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. Uh, that is vintage Joe Biden, uh, arrogant, uh, pompous. Uh, it's funny because you may remember about a year and a half ago, I think Senator Lindsey Graham said that regardless of what you think of his politics, you got to admit one thing, Joe Biden is a nice guy. Actually, nobody I know who knows him, and I know many people who know him and who have known him a long time, None of them would describe him as a nice guy. All of them would describe him as a narcissistic, difficult prick uh, with a with a, quite an ego. Uh, he imagines himself as a Kennedy. And we're going to get to, I want to ask Joel Gilbert this question, because I don't think Joe is going to go silently into that good night if uh, Barack Obama and others now looking at polls uh, are, are uh, deeply concerned, as they should be. Uh, let's take another look at Joe Biden last night. Something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man 
with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, and I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out. is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. That's the, that's that's my memory has gotten worse, Mr. No, President. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory. Take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on. Uh, again, uh, the arrogance factor. First of all, look at what he's done as president. Indeed, record inflation, uh, record gasoline prices, food shortages. Uh, an open border that has manifested itself in a crime and drug epidemic, uh, shipping $250 billion to a war in Ukraine that the, our Ukrainian allies are losing. Uh, the myth of Bidenomics uh, is, uh, is particularly extraordinary. Uh, they basically cooked uh, these numbers uh, to give us uh, what appears to be a, a low inflation rate a lower inflation rate and a lower unemployment rate. Uh, we'll come back to that. I'll show you exactly how they've been cooked. But this guy actually thinks he's doing a good job, but it doesn't demonstrate itself in his job approval ratings, does it? Uh, the American people are certainly not feeling better about America or about the economy. So uh, joining us now to help uh, build this out, Joel Gilbert, uh, who is uh, very famous for his a documentary film uh, regarding Barack Obama, uh, a man uh, who has uh, really been out ahead of the curve on this whole thing. Uh, Joel Gilbert joins us now. Hi, Roger. Great to be back with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, well, Joel, you called it. I mean, I've got to give you huge credit. Uh, you have written both a book uh, and have a documentary, uh, mm -hmm. which is uh, aptly entitled Michelle Obama. 2024. Uh, you've been you've called this for some time. We've got a trailer for your documentary. Let's uh, let's put that up so folks can see uh, what this is all about. They could run Michelle Obama, and if they do, welcome Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama is the most popular woman in America. You know I hate politics. You can forget about the disclaimer. I'm convinced that Michelle Obama is running for president in 2024. Systemic racism, pepper spray, and rubber bullets on peaceful protesters. She's following the exact same formula that Barack did to become president. Michelle was the keynote speaker at the 2020 Democrat convention, just like Barack was in 2004. Barack once ran a voter registration organization. Now, so does Michelle. That's how we change America. Also, Barack Obama based his candidacy on his personal story. Michelle has done the exact same thing. But like Barack, Michelle tells a life story that is more fiction than fact. Maybe somebody's gonna discover that I shouldn't be here. Now, come along on an investigation into the real Michelle Obama and her plan for power. I found out Michelle's father worked for the Democrat party machine. My father, he was a precinct captain in Chicago. People would come for money. It turns out Michelle was never a part of the black community. In that household, there was fear. You talk like a white girl. You could get your butt kicked if you talk like a white girl. 
What was going on in the 70s was what we called white flight. The only person doing white flight in the 1970s was Michelle Robinson. You're told by a school counselor you're not Princeton material. You're black, maybe you're stretching. Michelle was no victim of racism. In fact, Michelle has been running from the black community her whole life. Hyde Park is the best neighborhood. And Michelle sold out the black community working for the mayor of Chicago. This is turning into a ghetto. You better run. They just take our home like this year. And she sold them out as a hospital executive, <gasps> kicking poor black patients out of the ER. Yeah, I like that. I learned that to get power, Michelle pretends to be part of the black community she exploited all her life. Lo and behold, trying to pay your own rent. Imposter uh, syndrome. All out war between the pigs and us. And it turns out, Michelle's close friend and mentor was an anti-American radical. The politics of fear. Because of fear. Your fear. They want you to be afraid of change. We're working to change the future of this nation. We need you. Are you in? Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And to transform America, Michelle plans to rule America come Election Day 2024. Folks, if you're just tuning in, uh, joining me here on The Stone Zone, in addition to my regular co-host, Troy Smith, uh, is documentary filmmaker Joel Gilbert, who's based in Los Angeles. He's best known for his film exposing Barack Obama, made in 2012, Dreams for My Real Father, as well as his 2016 uh, expose on Bill Clinton's black son, Danny Williams. His other films include There's No Place Like Utopia, the hysterically funny Trump, The Art of the Insult, He's also produced films on Bob Dylan and Paul McCartney. Uh, his current blockbuster, as you just saw the trailer, is Michelle Obama 2024, her real life story and her plan for power. Uh, Joel, welcome uh, back uh, in the Stone Zone. So do you think uh, that these events of the last uh, 24 hours uh, are will accelerate uh, the move to uh, make Michelle Obama, the Democratic nominee. I mean, uh, Joe Biden does not look to me like a man who wants to go anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I think uh, yesterday's events uh, signaled the beginning of the end of Biden's 2024 candidacy. The public now fully understands, there's no doubt that if uh, Biden were to be reelected, that Kamala Harris would be president. You're voting for Kamala Harris, not for Joe Biden, because there's no way he'll make it to the end of a second term. And as you saw in the movie trailer, I've made the case that Michelle has been preparing meticulously for the, this moment where she will replace Joe Biden. She's copied everything Barack did on his path to the presidency, a voter registration organization, writing two autobiographies, and being the keynote speaker. So she's kept herself in the public eye. She has 100 million social media followers. You can look at her Twitter account. She's pushing politics every day. And... Uh, I think the Obamas are itching to get back in the White House. And I think uh, the demise of Joe Biden at some point between now and the convention, possibly as late as the convention, depending on how poorly Biden performs, I think we'll see Biden drop out and the party will turn to Michelle uh, because she is the best loved Democrat. She has the biggest following. 
She can appeal to nostalgia and say, remember how much you love the Obama years. We didn't have any scandals. And she is a very beloved figure uh, nationally. She does have some uh, vulnerabilities, which I talked about in the trailer, and that is her terrible relationship uh, with the Black community in Chicago. We will come back to that. Uh, uh, just to show you how the situation regarding Joe Biden is spiraling out of control, a story just posted the New York Post. Doctors are now calling for Biden to take mental competency test after scathing classified documents report. Something's not right. Medical professionals have stepped up calls for President Biden to take a mental competency test after Thursday's blistering report from Special Counsel Robert Hur revealed that the 81-year-old can't remember basic facts about his own life and career. Quoting the New York Post here, the Hur report released Thursday assessed Biden as too senile to be prosecuted over his wrongful, that means illegal, retention of classified documents and noted that the commander-in-chief did not remember when he was vice president, did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died, uh, over two days of interviews with the special counsel. Quote, something isn't right, and even if it's minor, it must be explained to the public, said Dr. Stuart Fisher, a primary care physician at a nursing home in the Bronx. Uh, he went on to say the horse is out of the barn. Not only does Biden have an infirmity of, to some degree, but he has delayed producing objective evidence, the internal medicine expert added, arguing that no one is buying the president's defenses uh, about his memory. Uh, Troy, let me ask you, uh, the odds makers in Las Vegas, who we all know are never wrong, uh, they have just upgraded uh, the odds of Michelle Obama becoming president to the point where I understand she's now ahead of Nikki Haley in their view. Tell us about that. That's right, Roger. If you uh, look at the Las Vegas odds right now, Michelle Obama's actually moved into third place uh, ahead of Nikki Haley now. And uh, she's actually gaining steam up to 8.8% uh, chance that she's going to be president. So I think that just kind of highlights what Joel's pointing out here. It's just that the, the cards are set perfectly. They are set up perfectly for Michelle Obama to step in. And I just had a question I think that I wanted to ask uh, uh, Mr. Gilbert here is just talking about his, his, you know, one thing that's been on my mind about this Michelle Obama thing since the beginning, because we've talked about this quite a bit, is the incident involving uh, the, the house chef in, in Martha's Vineyard. And that, that came up uh, just a few months back, and it seems to have died down. But I was wondering, do you think that that had an effect on Michelle Obama kind of like waiting to step into the spotlight? I'd like you to speak on that a little bit, please. Okay, well, I did look into that. Uh, I looked into that, and uh, I don't think it's going to have any effect or had any effect on Michelle's political plans. It was a very Clinton-esque kind of strange death. Uh, a lot of weird things went on. This guy, Tafari Campbell, was a sous chef in the White House. It wasn't like he was an actual chef. He just cut vegetables, and they took him on as their chef, which is kind of weird. Then he uh, drowned in six feet of water next to a giant flotation device, a paddleboard. He was paddleboarding is a is an eight foot long flotation device. How do you drown next to that? Uh, so we didn't really get a lot of answers. Uh, we don't know about the toxicology. If he had a heart attack, there's a lot we don't know. And as typical of a, of a Clinton related death, the media kind of just moves on. And I don't think we'll know too much more about it. And I don't think it'll affect uh, Michelle's political plans unless some very big news comes out that we don't know about. I, I agree with that analysis. And let's face it, if one of the chefs at Marlago died under mysterious circumstances, it would be 
front page and lead the networks for a month. Uh, it's amazing how quickly uh, the media has moved on. Also, extraordinary stonewalling by the Edgartown police and by Massachusetts state officials. Uh, that The whole story really doesn't add up. Uh, the uh, chef in question actually had uh, pictures up on his Instagram feed. He's obviously a, uh, a strong swimmer based on those videos. Uh, yet I checked uh, the bariometric uh, charts. Uh, the place he drowned, Joel's exactly right. He should have been able to stand up without any problem. So uh, it's amazing the way the media just moves on. Uh, Joel, you and I both have taken uh, some substantial hits for our very early production uh, prediction. Uh, many people told us uh, they were wrong. I stood up at uh, Turning Point USA uh, last year, and I made this prediction, and we might even have that video. Let's see. Now, as a veteran of many years in American politics, I'm going to tell you something somewhat shocking. Joe Biden will not be the nominee of the Democratic Party in 2024. Kamala Harris will briefly become president, but the only way in their party they can replace a woman of color is with another woman of color. And yes, you heard it here first, the Democratic nominee for president will be Michelle Obama. They have already rigged their primaries. The reason that they have canceled the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary is to put South Carolina, a state where a majority of the Democratic primaries or primary voters are African Americans, and they will allow Gavin Newsom to purchase the vice presidential nomination, but the Obamas will hold him up for six or eight hundred million dollars to do so. You heard it here first. When Steve Bannon says it in three weeks, remember I said it first. Uh, so uh, I must admit that I've revised my timetable thinking a little bit. There was a time in which I thought uh, that uh, Biden uh, would be forced out earlier uh, and that Michelle would actually subject herself to some primaries. I, it looks to me now that that's not going to be the way this goes down. Uh, there's a couple different scenarios I want to kind of play out here. Uh, since the Democratic National Committee has essentially cleared the path for Biden's nomination without any real opposition, uh, rigging the primary schedule and the rules, uh, I think they will let Biden go all the way to the convention to garner the necessary uh, votes for a president. Uh, but then uh, just before the convention announced that based on reasons of health, he can't accept the nomination. Uh, therefore, he was going to legally release his delegates and let the convention do its will. It would be at that point that the Democratic Party would demand uh, the candidacy of Michelle Obama, easily the most popular person uh, in their party, uh, and uh, she would then acquiesce. Now, I've revised my view slightly in the sense that uh, I think Joe Biden's one clear trait uh, is stubbornness. I don't think he or Dr. Jill want to go. I don't rule out, uh, if this continues to spiral out of control, uh, his actually being removed under the 25th Amendment. Now, for folks who are unfamiliar with the 25th Amendment and how it works, uh, if a majority of the cabinet and the sitting vice president 
favor the removal of the president on grounds of his incapacity to do the job, um, he would be removed. So if Joe refuses to go, which is a strong possibility, trying to cling to power, um, they could go so far as to remove him. Uh, what do you gentlemen think? Uh, I think it's a, it's a possibility. I think their preference is to let him kind of, you know, play out his term, but make it clear to him if he doesn't drop out of the re-election race that they would remove him. I think he could be convinced to, to go. And uh, we'll see Michelle emerge. Uh, there has been a, a way that she's kind of flown under the radar for years. You might remember back in 2008, Michelle was so over-the-top political, giving these nasty anti-American speeches one night, she said, for the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country because Barack won a primary. And that's when everyone started paying attention. She said a lot worse things than that. But then she got a speechwriter the next night and said, oh, I hate politics. I just want to be the mom in chief. Now, all politicians hate politics, but she's able to fly under the radar as this kind of uh, person that doesn't like politics. So we even had Carl Rove the other day on Barney and company before the Biden, uh, her report came out, he said, Joe Biden definitely won't be the nominee, but it won't be Michelle because she doesn't like politics. What I show in my book and film is the fact that Michelle is a very political person. Her father was a precinct captain in Chicago. She grew up age four years old going around with her father to get black people to vote for the white liberals. She was in student council. She worked for the mayor of Chicago. She married a politician. She married her father. Michelle grew up in Jesse Jackson's house. She was best friends with his daughter, Santita, when Jackson was running for president in the early 80s. So Michelle is uh, so political. Her professor at uh, Harvard, Charles Ogletree, who was also Barack's professor in a different year, he said between Michelle and Barack, he would have thought Michelle would be the run, one to run for president and not Barack. So she is a political animal. That's really all she does. She's got this voter registration organization called When We All Vote. Look at her Twitter account right now. She got 26 million bucks from George Soros to get people registered. And that's really all she does. So I think she's perfectly positioned herself and the mechanics of when and how Joe leaves either office or the presidential race will play itself out. He's one broken hip or a fall away probably from you know, resigning the presidency perhaps. But I think... Uh, it was the beginning of the end of his candidacy yesterday, and that's become clear. Well, and, and Roger, I, I would add in there that I think that, you know, if you look at what's been happening over the entirety of the Biden administration, you have a lot of Band-Aid pooling going on. And you look at Afghanistan, you look at so many things that Biden has kind of mishandled to the fortune of the Chinese and other global forces of power. And it's almost like they have a president right now where they can put just put all the negative eggs in that basket, whether it's Israel, anything like that, anything that's negative is going to happen, have it happen now so that he can set the stage for, like uh, Joel saying, for Michelle Obama to step in here. And, and I think if you really examine each part of his presidency, he's being used and set up as the fall guy. And as you pointed out, Roger, he's, he's seemingly so arrogant that he's willing to do that in order to be president. It's very, uh, very concerning. Uh, see, I guess one of the reasons why I think uh, he won't want to leave is because he wants to retain that that pardon power. So he, if he necessary, as the uh, investigations into his son, uh, in his son's business, which Joe very clearly has lied about, and is deeply involved in, uh, continues uh, to loom larger, he may have to pardon himself, his brother, uh, uh, his son, other members of the Biden crime family. 
uh, he's always wanted this job. He's epically stubborn. Uh, I really think uh, Barack Obama uh, has uh, his work cut out for him, but it's very clear also, look at the way that the media was yelling uh, at Joe Biden last night, uh, asking legitimate questions, but he's not used to that kind of treatment. Notice his comment. When, when one reporter asks him uh, about um, his condition, he says, that's, that's your opinion. That's not the opinion of the press. Well, how would he set the opinion of the press? Uh, he really is, I think, uh, delusional in the sense that, A, he thinks he's doing a great job, B, he thinks it's going well, uh, and thirdly, he thinks he's popular when there's no evidence that any of those things are true. Well, I uh, think it's clear, Roger. Yeah. Go ahead. So I think it's clear that nobody wants Biden. The Democrats, up and down uh, the age groups, suburban, young people, old people, nobody wants Biden. The down-ballot Democrats running for state Senate, governor, Congress, they're afraid that he'll bring down the ticket. So there's just universal uh, desire not to have Biden at the top of the ticket. And I think this uh, report by her gives them all the excuse they need to proceed to find a way to push him out. Uh, you know, Michelle Obama can appeal to nostalgia. Remember how much you love the Obama years? We didn't have any scandals. And she's not responsible for Bidenomics or anything that Biden has done. She can copy what Barack did. I'm going to bring us together again, the same kind of concept. And she'll have tremendous support. I, I mean, if she, if it only takes place at the convention, there's a short 10 weeks between the DNC and Chicago, Michelle's hometown, coincidentally, for the coronation, up till the election. And it's going to be uh, an uphill road for Trump to expose her like I do in my film, as I mentioned earlier, uh, that Michelle's entire life story is phony, very similar to Barack Obama. Michelle claims she's from the south side of Chicago. She was held back by racism. Uh, she had to overcome things. I'm just like you. I'm an ordinary black person from the other side of the tracks. That's her story. In reality, she's not from the south side. She's from South Shore which is an upper middle-class community on Lake Michigan. And I chronicle how Michelle refused to study with other black kids. She was the black face of a white flight. Her and her brother, brother went to a, a white Catholic school, very expensive. Michelle went to a magnet high school. They refused to study with other blacks. Michelle even writes in her book about getting beat up by the black kids who would accuse her of acting white. Talks about getting in a fist fight with a girl who called her an Oreo, which is a racial insult. It means you're black on the outside, but you're really a white girl on the inside. So Michelle had no black friends, and I chronicle how she got her revenge on the black community by exploiting them. When white liberals were having problems with black people in Chicago and they couldn't hire a white person to, to abuse them, Michelle took those jobs and made a ton of money. Michelle kicked 20,000 black people out of their homes. At Cabrini Green, it was a project. Uh, they wanted the land to give it to Tony Resco, the Democrat donor developers to build condos. So Michelle kicked them out of their homes, knocked down these projects and told them to be good for you. And having proven she could do the dirty work to the black community, Michelle got 300,000 a year back in 2005 to kick black people out of the emergency room at the University of Chicago Medical Center. If you showed up and you were black, Michelle would put you in a white van and dump you back on the South side in these crappy clinics. Uh, and Michelle said, it's gonna be good for you. So Michelle has a horrible relationship with black people in Chicago, and she puts on these fake stories of suffering racism to trick the minority community into thinking that she's one of them because she wants power. I think the way Donald Trump can expose this, because I do believe that black voters are very sensitive to people selling them out. I think if he just started tweeting every day, 
Michelle, are you going to apologize for what you did to the black community in Chicago? Are you going to apologize for denying them access to health care, kicking them out of their homes? It'll open a whole can of worms. And I think that that's going to be important because the Democrats need a good 90 percent uh, support from the black community to get their people elected. And Trump already has a head heads up on that because he delivered to the black community all the things that Democrats had promised for 60 years and never did. Prison reform, robust economy, school choice, you name it. All right, uh, Troy Smith, uh, Joel Gilbert, you guys stay right where you are. We're going to take a very quick commercial break. Uh, folks, I'm very serious about the products that I recommend here uh, on the Stone Zone, uh, but I want to tell you about a product that has really changed my life. It's called Cardio Miracle, and it is an all-natural nitric oxide supplement. Uh, nitric oxide is necessary to uh, keep blood pressure and cholesterol levels uh, low, to uh, support anti-inflammatory response, to promote general good health. Uh, and what I found is it has boosted my energy and better recovery. I did four shows yesterday, and I still had energy in the evening to go on with Brandon House. So I've uh, been extraordinarily uh, pleased with Cardio Miracle. Uh, show you right there where you can get it. Uh, use promo code STONE. Let's put that back up again if we could just for a second. So go to cardiomiracle.com and use promo code STONE. I cannot say enough about this great product. I'm going to be talking about it more and more. We're proud to have them as a sponsor. Uh, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm making no, uh, no claims. If you have a heart problem, then go see a doctor. But this is a heart-healthy product uh, that I cannot recommend highly enough. And it has turbocharged my energy. And trust me, folks, I'm putting in long hours. Okay, uh, we return to the Stone Zone uh, with my co-host, uh, Troy Smith, the editor-at-large uh, at Rare.us and documentary filmmaker uh, and Bob Dylan aficionado, uh, Joel Gilbert. Uh, Joel won't tell you this, so I have to. He's an accomplished musician and troubadour, uh, and he once fronted a Bob Dylan tribute band. He knows more about Bob Dylan than probably anyone uh, on the face of the planet. I'm a big Dylan fan myself, uh, particularly in his uh, Christian, his born-again period. Uh, so I had to bring that up because I think it's very cool. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I still have the band, but uh, played for a good uh, 15, 18 years. Uh, with some of Bob Dylan's band members in my band, including Scarlett Rivera from the Desire album and the Rolling Thunder tour, John Jackson, Winston Watson, Rob Stoner. I had more Dylan band members in my band than, than you can imagine. And we did tour England, Ireland, Canada. And I, I, do, I did produce uh, four documentaries on Bob Dylan. So when you see my films, you'll actually hear the music and it'll kind of sound like a Bob Dylan album in the background. So you, you, you can really enjoy it no matter what you, what you get. So uh, Joel, uh, we've kind of brought the pundit class around. A lot of people mocked us uh, two years ago when we began uh, talking about her candidacy. Uh, I freely admit that you're the person, first person to bring it to my attention. And then when I exerted my own political analysis, I began to believe that you were correct. Here's uh, Carl Rove uh, the other day uh, talking about it. Uh, Carl is almost always wrong, but let's see what he has to say. 
Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas survived impeachment yesterday after four Republicans voted against party lines. Carl Rove joins me this morning. Carl, I say Republicans are in disarray. My question is, who do you blame? Well, I got a simple answer for that. It's on the whiteboard. I blame everybody. <laughs> I blame the members for coming up with stupid ideas. Mm -hmm. I blame the leadership for not being able to count the votes. President Trump killed the, uh, the, the uh, immigration bill, uh, the border bill, uh, by intervening. I'm, I'm not certain that's all. In fact, I know that's not a wise move, but there's plenty of blame to go around, and it starts from the bottom, goes to the top, and goes back to the bottom again. Uh, RNC chair Ronald McDaniel reportedly plans to step down after the South Carolina primary. This looks like Trump's influence right now. It, it seems like this is Trump's party now, isn't it? Well, it's certainly in control of the of the National Committee. Look, that's normal for a presidential candidate to have, uh, you know, to, to influence over the direction of the National Committee. In 2000, after George W. Bush secured the nomination, we sent our political director, Maria Sino, over to make certain that all of the activities of the National Committee and of the presidential campaign were in, you know, were in, were being coordinated well. Uh, and that's normal. What's unusual is to fire the chairman and try and put in your own person. The National Committee consists of three members from every state and the territories. They like to have one of their own be the chairman. They don't like being dictated to. The president, former president has already made clear he'd like the North Carolina chairman to be, the, be uh, Rana's replacement. And already there's, there's talk of members of the committee uh, putting up somebody else. Uh, it, it's a very delicate relationship any presidential candidate has to have with his or her national committee, party national committee, and uh, the president's sort of putting a, you know, his thumb on this to scale, and it's, it's, it's a little bit more delicate than that. Is a Trump-Biden rematch setting concrete? You think that is the way it will definitely be in November this year? You know, I don't know why I say this, but, but I don't think it will be. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you, you began today's program with the, the latest iteration of of uh, Joe Biden's memory problems. I mean, the other day he uh, had a meeting talking about how uh, shortly after becoming president in 2021, he had a, a G7 or G8 meeting and uh, he had a conversation with Francois Mitterrand, uh, who died in 1996. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just, for something, something inside me says, somebody's gonna wake up on that side, Jill Biden or maybe a sister Valerie Biden Owen and say, you know, Joe, this is not the way for you to go down in the history books. Step aside, let somebody else be chosen at the convention, and let somebody else be uh, go into the lists against uh, Donald Trump in the in the fall. I, I just think the Democrats are not going to so uh, allow this to continue. You think that's how it's going to happen? Somebody close to the president, a well, family member, goes to him and says, just like they went to Nixon and say, "Time's up, Mr. President. Step aside." Yeah. Yeah, well, Nixon, it was Senator uh, Barry Goldwater who led a group of senators to say your time is up. But, but I think uh, uh, Biden is impervious to that kind of uh, input. I think it would have to be a family member. And look, I don't know. I, this may be hope rather than an expectation. This may be what I think would be best for him and best for the country and, frankly, best for the Democrats. I mean, J Joe Biden thinks he is the only person who can beat Donald Trump in the Democratic Party. He may be the only person who can lose to Donald Trump in the Democratic Party. Well, can you deal with this quickly? I keep hearing that Michelle Obama will be shifted into the, no, you're shaking your head. It's not going to happen? No, look, 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 she hates politics. 
read her autobiography. She didn't want her husband to run for the state Senate. She didn't want him to run for the president. She is not a political animal. And besides, look, Barack Obama was my charge at the White House. I dealt with him for three years. He's a smart guy. He would know that if, if Michelle Obama woke up tomorrow and said, you know what, I've decided after a life of hating politics, I want to be the vice presidential running mate or run for president, people would say, you know what, that's Barack trying to get a third term as president, and they wouldn't go for it. But the starting point is she hates politics. This is a weird obsession of the of a conspiratorial right, and it's just lunacy, pure lunacy. I had to deal with this in 2020 when this was running through the through the uh, President Trump's re-election campaign. They thought somehow or another Biden was going to be pushed aside by Obama, Andrew Cuomo was going to be the Democratic candidate, and his running mate was going to be Michelle Obama. Yeah, I, I can I can comment there if you want. Is Look, he. I can use a sign. Yeah. Uh, is wrong. So uh, what do you make of that, Joel? Yeah, look, Carl uh, Rove has not been relevant in 20 years, and you can see why. He needs signs to get his point across because he doesn't make any sense. Uh, he said that Michelle didn't want Barack to be in politics or run for state Senate. No, Michelle was the treasurer of his campaign for state Senate. She campaigned heavily for him. In 2008, she campaigned heavily for Barack, running the country on her own giving these nasty speeches. She is a political animal. She went around the country talking to black audiences. It was her job to convince the black community that Barack was black, because when he first ran for president, they stuck with Hillary. They thought Barack was a white guy because he grew up with white grandparents in Hawaii. He's an elitist from Harvard. And Michelle went out and made the case, mostly using racial innuendo, like telling 60 Minutes, Barack is black, he could be shot going to a gas station. And uh, so she is extremely political. He doesn't know her history with Jesse Jackson. He doesn't know her father was a precinct captain. He, he just doesn't know. Now he's come around a little bit and he's saying, look, Biden's not gonna run, but he's not there yet. It's people like you and me, I think Monica Crowley early on and a few others said, uh, you know, it's not gonna be Biden and Michelle is perfectly positioning herself for that opportunity, not for the third, Obama term, but for the fourth, because it's very credibly been documented that the entire Biden administration is the third term of Barack Obama. It's all his people. He's running things from D.C. And I believe that uh, Michelle is set up and people like Karl Rove will come around with his little whiteboard, uh, you know, and say that, and admit that he was wrong. I think we actually have this video where Barack Obama famously tells Stephen Colbert, who used to be funny, but no longer is, uh, his dream of a, of a third term. Can we roll that? What you know now, do you wish like you had a second, a, a, a third term? Um, and I, I used to say, you know what, if, if I could make an arrangement where um, I had, a, I had a, a stand in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats, mm -hmm. looking through the stuff and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony, wow. I, I'd be fine with that. Uh, th there you have it. I think that's exactly what we have today. Joel, uh, so I want to address this. It's a delicate question. Troy has certainly heard it. I have as well. Uh, everyone remembers when Joan Rivers made a joke about it, a joke that, who knows, may have cost her her life. We don't know. But uh, there are some people in the country who believe that Michelle Obama uh, is a man. Now, you have researched Michelle Obama more than anyone probably on the planet. Uh, you, I know you disagree with that. Tell us uh, uh, why you say that. Well, there's Michelle's photo 
right there when she was in dance class in high school. Uh, I've been to Chicago. I've talked to three of Michelle's boyfriends, her high school and elementary school classmates, uh, a Korean kid named Teddy Ford, who was Michelle's first kiss in the first grade. I've spoken to her mother. I've seen hundreds of photos. Michelle absolutely has always been and is female. Uh, it came up as a joke because Joan Rivers was asked by TMZ, do we, will we ever have a gay president? In her, her sense of humor, she said, well, we already have a gay president and Michelle's transgender. And then when she died two months later under strange circumstances, the internet kind of took off with that. Uh, I can assure you, Michelle Obama is a total phony. She's a race hoaxer. She fakes her background to manipulate minorities to get power. Uh, but she's definitely female. And people that focus, well, is she transgender? You're kind of missing the point. Michelle is somebody that uh, was a radical in Chicago. Her best friend, I, as I found out, was Bernadine Dorn, one of the heads of the Weather Underground, uh, accused of murdering a cop. And her husband, Bill Ayers, uh, was a buddy of Obama. Michelle and Barack used to go to their house for dinners for years. You can't overstate the amount of influence these domestic terrorists had on the Obamas. Uh, that's the part of Michelle Obama people need to know about, how she exploited the black community for money and how she associated with radicals in Chicago. And that's what you learn when you watch uh, Michelle Obama 2024. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I think it is extraordinarily dangerous for those who want to make jokes about her candidacy or jokes about her gender. I think she would be a very, very formidable candidate. Uh, you make a good case that Trump uh, in his campaign would have to figure out how to make the case that in fact it's Michelle Obama who was the racist, not not Donald Trump. But she's an icon. She's beloved. You tell about uh, attending an event that she did with Oprah. Uh, tell us about that. Well, it was she was promoting her second autobiography, The Light We Carry, here at the YouTube Theater in Los Angeles, six thousand th seat theater. I went there two hours early thinking I would relax and get something to eat and check out a few things. And people were lined up two hours early. They all had tickets. It was like a campaign event. They were screaming for Michelle, dancing. She's a pop culture figure. She's beloved. Uh, and in the interview, she did a sit down interview with Oprah and she was using, uh, again, using race to try to get people to sympathize with her when that's nothing that happened in her in her childhood. Michelle went to Paris with her French club in high school. I didn't go to Paris. <laughs> Michelle was in a dance class for 12 years, jazz and tap, doing performances all over Chicago. Uh, so uh, one funny thing is Michelle, uh, Oprah said to Michelle, no, as Michelle says to Oprah, she said, oh, you know, it was so difficult growing up in Chicago. I was uh, only a few black people in my class and people would look at us funny and uh, we had all these problems because we were black in high school. And uh, Oprah said, yeah, I was one of like two black kids in my high school with 2000 kids or were two black kids. And Michelle said, oh, did you have the same problems with people mistreating you? And Oprah said, no, nothing like that ever happened. And it just took the air out of the room and Michelle went and changed the subject. So Michelle is a big time race hoaxer. Uh, one of her race hoaxes, which you saw in the trailer, she's been telling for 15 years. She said when she applied to Princeton University that her high school counselor racially profiled her and said, you're applying to Princeton, you're black, maybe you're stretching. Well, I found out her high school counselor was a church going black woman uh, who's an assistant principal named Nan King who passed away in 2005. There's no way she racially profiled Michelle but Michelle tells that story because she wants you to think that she was held back. 
She wants black people to think I'm one of you. When in fact, Michelle had nothing to do with the black community. She was afraid of them. She uh, got beat up by them and she exploited them in her career later. Uh, but Michelle can fill up stadiums. She's appearing and she'll fill up a stadium. She's a better politician than Barack. She gives a better speech. She comes across more authentic and she'll be a very difficult candidate to beat uh, because of her, uh, her support that she has for many years. Maria Bartiromo asked Donald Trump about a potential Michelle Obama candidacy. But before we roll that, Troy, uh, your thoughts. Well, and I just had a question real quickly for uh, Mr. Gilbert here, because you know, uh, Obama says something about the earpiece there and about how if he could just sit in a basement. And from what you're telling us, it sounds like that's almost like what Michelle Obama was doing to Barack Obama all these years. Could you tell us how much did Michelle play into Barack's political agenda when, when he was in the White House? It seems like she played a huge role. Well, she did. The, the Obama marriage was always a partnership, 50-50 partnership. And Barack was always afraid of Michelle. So he always deferred to her. She always got her way. So remember 2008, before that famous line, for the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country, she was the co-candidate. You can look at my movie and in the tape, she says, Barack and I, when we go to the White House, what we're going to do for the country, it's always we, we, we. So she kind of took a step into the background when people realized how political she was. Uh, and I think she's going to reemerge as that, as that politician very soon. All right, let's uh, run, uh, let's roll this uh, clip very quickly. Maria Bartiromo asking President Donald Trump about the potential for a uh, Michelle Obama candidacy. Are you going to do against Michelle Obama? You have to see. Look, I've seen polls where she doesn't do well. She may do well, but I've seen polls where I beat her easily. I beat her by a lot. I had four great years. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I haven't seen any head-to-head -head data. I have seen some Democratic uh, primary data, Democratic nomination polling that uh, I thought was odd that Michelle Obama did not score as well as I would have thought she did. Uh, but I, that was before the wheels began to come off for Joe Biden. Well, it, we've still, everyone is still, when you see a poll that Michelle is included in, which is very rare, it's also with a number of other candidates. And we still have that idea that she doesn't like politics. So if there's ever a head-to-head -head poll, uh, I think she'd probably start out beating Donald Trump. And the, the, the other thing that Michelle accomplishes for the people like here in California that stuff ballot boxes, I just got a primary ballot in the mail, just like 22 million other Californians did. And it lists 38 drop boxes in my area where I can fill out my, my vote and put it in some drop box. So there's no way to know who voted. There's no way to know any ID of the person that voted, there's no way to audit the election afterwards. It's, it's a complete end of democracy with this mail-in voting. But let's say if Biden were to stay the nominee and he were to win through this ballot stuffing, uh, no one would believe it. They would say they cheated. If Michelle's in there and they stuff the ballots and she wins, we all say, well, she's so popular, I guess I believe it. So she creates plausibility. She makes it plausible for the Democrats to win in these crazy uh, mail-in voting states. All right, uh, we are we have to wrap this up, but uh, Joel Gilbert, tell folks uh, where they can go to get both your book and you to uh, order your uh, documentary. Yeah, it's both a book and a film. Uh, you can go to amazon.com 
for uh, the DVD and the book. And it's also on Amazon Prime Video. You can live stream the movie. Uh, it's also on Vimeo and SalemNow.com to live stream the movie, MichelleObama24.com. You can watch the trailer and read all about it. All right. I want to thank Joel Gilbert uh, for joining us today on The Stone Zone. Uh, Troy, you uh, broke a story this afternoon about uh, former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan running for the U.S. Senate. Give us a quick uh, download on that. Well, it's important to remember, Roger, that uh, when we're talking about Larry Hogan, we're talking about somebody who went against everything that the Constitution stands for when he was governor of Maryland. So this is a guy that supported uh, lockdowns. This is a guy that used the Maryland State Police to come after business owners. Uh, this is a guy who worked with the Democrats to ensure that Baltimore City has been the dumpster fire that it's been for the last eight years. He's also a man that uh, harbored a pedophile in his home. In 1992, Larry Hogan was running for Congress, and uh, while he was running for Congress, he had a gentleman living in his home by the name of Kevin Lee Hall. Kevin Lee Hall one night decides that he's going to go out and kidnap a 17-year-old boy at gunpoint and take this boy to a motel and have sex with him at gunpoint, forcing the kid to have sex with him. He's later arrested for that. It's all spelled out in the Baltimore Sun, which people can check out in my article at rare.us. Uh, Hogan's asked about this after the arrest, all the details are known, and his, uh, his chief of staff, Ronald Gunsberger, who is, by the way, still involved with Larry Hogan, uh, makes a statement that Kevin Lee Hall's been living in Larry Hogan's home, and we don't know whether he'll be back or not, and we haven't really decided. Keep in mind, folks, this is a guy who kidnapped and raped a 17-year-old boy at gunpoint living in the home of Larry Hogan. Well, now... After eight years of destroying the state of Maryland, eight years of raping the people of Maryland and allowing the Democrats to destroy the state, now Larry Hogan has decided he's running for U.S. Senate. And he wants to make a push with the No Labels Party to make a power play in the Republican Party to create a new wing of Rhino that can challenge the America First agenda and to bring the Republican Party back to the days of failure, just like he's brought Maryland back to the days of failure. So Larry Hogan is running for Senate and it must be known far and wide, people can check it out on rare.us, that Larry Hogan, the Rhino former governor of Maryland running for Senate, harbored a pedophile in his home, a known pedophile that he was close family friends with Roger. I think it's disgusting. And the fact that he gets to go on mainstream media networks and they never ask him about his affiliation with Kevin Lee Hall is disgusting. All right. We have to leave it there, but you always bring the fire, my brother. All right. Thanks, folks. Uh, this has been a tumultuous and, and, uh, uh, and amazing week. I want to thank you all for joining the Stone Zone. Remember to follow us at rumble.com slash stone roger stone uh, rumble.com slash roger stone please follow us there until monday i'm roger stone please tune in to wabcradio.com sunday at 4 p.m eastern we have uh, an amazing show uh, criminal defense lawyer david Schoen joins us uh, as does uh, dr jane ruby talking about the dangers of the latest generation of flu vaccinations. Uh, it's a blockbuster show. You're not going to want to miss it. Until Monday, God bless you and Godspeed.